1: All you have to do is go to smartpassiveincome.com slash advantage. On Monday, May 20th, Amy Nelson's gonna come on and we're gonna talk social media, but specifically how to drive revenue and connect with important stakeholders that matter to you in your business using social media. The next day we have Nosheen Chen and she's gonna lead a presentation about how to become a better communicator, how to increase those skills faster because that's gonna help you not just connect with new people, new clients, but also get your idea across better ton of takeaways in that presentation. And all you have to do to sign up and join and get all the links that you need is smartpassiveincome.com slash advantage. Again, one more time, smartpassiveincome.com slash advantage. Join us on our Expert Advantage Workshop Series. You're not gonna wanna miss it. Again, smartpassiveincome.com slash advantage.
2: That's the ultimate test. If I spend a few days not moderating, not doing any responding in the community, what happens? And if you see your members are stepping up, they're responding to each other's messages, they're tagging others, you know you've set up something good or you've set up the conditions for them to engage, which is pretty awesome to see. And that happens more often than we think. (laughs) So anyone listening, test this out. (laughs) Just be a bit more quiet than usual (laughs) and see what happens.
0: Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Community Experience Podcast. I am your hostess, Jillian Benbow, and today I am talking to the head of community at Circle, Matilde Leo. Uh, she is the best. You will quickly realize we just can talk and talk and talk. So we talk about a lot of very useful things. She's seen it all because she runs a community for community builders that use Circle. So she sees people in every stage of community. She does amazing events to help everyone in there up level their own community with, you know, as far as like layout, as far as tactics, rituals, everything. So this was a really fun conversation. We definitely kind of got into like a, our advice on the best ways to get events going, get engagement going, get a community going really. And we talk a bit about just the needs of community builders and our own experiences. You also get to hear a story I planned not to tell and then proceeded to tell about a business I tried to do full time and failed spectacularly with. Yeah, super stoked I talked about that. So here is the episode with Matilde from Circle. I hope you enjoy. <laughs> Welcome back to the Community Experience Podcast. I am excited. It's taken a year to get this guest on, on the show. She's hard to get down on the show, but it was worth the persistence. Today I am talking to one of my community pals that I work with semi closely, and that is Mathilde Leo from Circle. Bonjour.
2: <laughs> Bonjour Jillian thank you so much for having me and thank you for being so patient I wanted to come before and you know life happened <laughs> very excited <laughs> to be here
0: yeah and I'm just giving you a hard time I wasn't <laughs> it wasn't that you know I, only a couple bribes you know so we're good <laughs> I'm
2: uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm enjoying my my fruit basket
0: just ah just, <laughs> excellent excellent I'm glad it arrived <laughs> I have been excited to talk to Mathilde for a while, namely because she runs, she's the head of community at Circle, and that is, I think everybody knows this by now, that is our platform, that is what we use, that is what we recommend. So I have done events with Circle, we've worked on projects together, we, you know, we help each other out uh, the way community builders do, and it's, it's great. I love also just seeing everything Mathilde does. At circle and in that community.
2: Likewise. I think I was thinking about it the other day. I think you were, I don't think, you were the very first guest at the very first circle community event I hosted when I was in my first month on the job. So I have fond memories of that. Yeah. I didn't know that. (laughs) Show and tell community tour. That's right.
0: Oh my gosh. And that was one of my first like events in your community or other communities, like showing off. SPI. It was great. So, it
2: was a great event. Look
0: how much we've grown. <laughs> look at us. <laughs> so Mathilde, look at us. Um, so let the audience know a little bit about you.
2: Sure. What's your story? What's my story? So I grew up in the French Alps in a small town known for its cheese <laughs> and mountains. Yes. Um, I won't tell you the name because nobody has heard of it. I actually lived most of my, my adult life outside of France. So I lived in places like London, Philadelphia, Barcelona, I live in Thailand as well. And yeah, the the reason why I moved so much is because I became an accidental community builder. Early, early in my career, I created a community that became quite successful. It was not planned, but I was able to live off it and quit my full-time job to focus on on growing it remotely. And so I can tell you all about it if you'd like, but that would be probably a long story. But yeah, it was a community for product managers and that really got me into the community world, just understanding that community can be a business, it can also be a real passion. And so I'd run that community for about five or six years as a as a solo community builder. It was mostly in-person events, conferences. We had, you know, a product management festival in Barcelona. We had a retreat for heads of products that we hosted in the middle of the Welsh countryside out of all places, but with people coming from all over the world. And yeah, and after five, six years of, of doing that, I, I was just really craving to join another, another startup because my background is in product management. I worked for a bunch of fast growing startups in London before uh, starting this community. And so I joined Circle and that was 18 months ago now when the team was just 10 people, <laughs> very small uh, company. And now we're about a hundred and building the community platform that we all love.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. I have many follow-up questions. One, what on earth brought you to Philadelphia?
2: (laughs) (laughs) A lot of time when I talk to people in the U.S., they ask me that question, actually. I I studied abroad. That was my year abroad.
0: No way. That is cool. I've never been to Philadelphia. I would like to visit. It looks like there's a lot of historic things. Obviously, the Eastern Seaboard is a beautiful place, which... I'm bad at geography. I you know Philadelphia is general, in that general area. It is. Um, but yeah, you know, when you're, when you're talking like Thailand and all these places then, and Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just, it sticks out a little. as like,
2: huh. Funnily <laughs> enough, it was a defining experience for me because I actually lived and studied there. And that's this experience that got me to decide to go to London to do my master's and to work in tech, to be in the startup environment. And I think if I hadn't studied in the US, I would probably not have done that or not. That early in my in my career,
0: yeah, it's funny. It's funny the the paths we take and the and what comes of it. That's one of those fun like ponder when you can't sleep.
2: (laughs) I know the serendipity. I I think about serendipity all the time. The serendipity of careers, the people you meet at an event in a community that you know somehow become business partners one day or make you move cities or countries. I love that.
0: (laughs) Me too too you also mentioned that you sold your community
2: is that correct i didn't sell it i was able to live off it pretty pretty well for a number of years and then the pandemic happened so for a business primarily focused on in-person events and experiences that was pretty tough yeah yeah (laughs) but yeah it was a it was fun it was called jam and it was really an experience it was a conference that i started as a side project when i was in my first ever job in london i was Product manager. And on the outside, it seemed like I had everything figured out. You know, I had a good job, a good team, I was young, lots of responsibilities. But on the inside, it was a completely different story. I had a lot of imposter syndrome, I was struggling a lot. I just really wanted to connect with other peers from different startups and really understand how they were solving the challenges that I had. And so I created an event to share these stories. and, And out of this event came a community that I then hosted for a number of years. So again, serendipity.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's I love I love the origin story because I think we all, you know, we all look at each other's social media or just, you know, what 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 they have going on or the fact they live in cool places like Lisbon. <laughs> and it's like, oh, it's amazing. But, you know, people are probably looking at us the same way. And no one ever sees like the the anxiety, the loneliness, the imposter syndrome that we all deal with. <laughs> but usually doesn't make it on the social feed. Got that right. And then I think it's it's funny to me, so many people we work with are doing the opposite. They're trying to leave their traditional careers, like corporate careers and do full-time their own thing. And you went the other way. And I actually am more similar, I think, to your story. Like I tried doing my own thing, was not that successful, but I missed the accountability of a team, but also just the dynamic of working with people. It could be very lonely, so...
2: Interesting. I didn't know that. We have to talk about this. What was your business?
0: Oh my gosh. I do not want to talk about okay, it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Off the record.
2: Later on, we can talk about it.
0: <laughs> I see it as like such a like struggle failure. So I, I hate talking about it. Maybe one day I will, but I'm not ready. All good. <laughs> it was a fitness thing. And I was a little bit before the technology. So it was very hard to do. If I was doing it now, granted the the market would be much more saturated, but um,
2: yeah, it... Uh, there weren't like the platforms that you could to do it. Sounded like you were quite early in the fitness. I'm a massive fitness freak, by the way. I just love working out. I know you could beat me up if you want. <laughs> I wouldn't try. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I'd be, I'd be screwed. You could, you could catch me and beat me up. I can, there's no escape. Yeah. So anyways, I, because it was just not working, I actually got a part-time job in community. And that was my first community job to try to like make money that I could put into that business to make it work because I needed more money to invest into it. And then <laughs> it, it was starting to gain traction. I was starting to figure it out. And then I had a hip injury and had to have hip surgery. And so running a fitness company was basically not going to happen anymore. So I, I was kind of over it anyways.
2: So interesting. So like your side gig kind of put you on the path to what you do now. Yeah. Isn't that funny? We
0: both have kind of interesting, uh, interesting origin stories, but we're not here to talk about me. Okay, sorry. You, I'm going to stop you asking questions. Be, <laughs> no, you can ask. You'd be an excellent uh, podcaster, Matilde. Something, something to add to the plate. <laughs> nope. So, so something we wanted to talk about today, especially because Matilda has the like unique perspective of running a community for community builders for. People on the Circle platform, So I like to call it circles, circle, circle, circle. But there's a, a community, you know, a Circle membership community where people who are running their communities on Circle come to talk to each other, to learn, to you know, to to network, etc. Is that an accurate description? Did I butcher? That's a
2: great description. hundred okay, percent. We gather all Circle customers to learn from one another, share best practices, share how they're using Circle as well, because there's so many ways that you can build a community and. SPI Pro is a great example, but there are like thousand others out there, and so literally there are. I I learn all sorts of stuff in that community. Like yeah, we
0: we've gone in there and done events and and supported uh, the membership in there, but we get just as much from talking to people, asking questions. That contest that it was at the design contest was amazing. Like everyone did what like a couple minute video just showcasing some sort of designed thing in their community and just the ideas generated from that alone it was just like oh my gosh it's so
2: fun so fun i'm so glad you enjoyed it yeah it was a space design contest just like super fun to see people's favorite community spaces and how they were built really good fun
0: yeah i think it was tom tom ross who has been on the show And he's done an event in my community and I've done an event in his community because that's what we do. Community. I think it was him. He had a a fantastic way of keeping like resource documentation, like tutorials and things, which I hadn't thought about and was really struggling with and was looking for like a platform solution. And then was like, oh, I can
2: do this in circle. (laughs) This is so neat. Yeah. So anyways, Anyways, I learn every day just to to wrap that thought up. I I learn from circle community builders every day. It's insane, the ways in which they use circle, the ways in which in which they gather their members, the rituals they have, the engagement plays they are you know putting together. It's it's pretty incredible. So
0: <laughs> it really is. And I promise everyone listening, this—the intention of this episode wasn't a commercial for Circle. It's
2: not to sell Circle. <laughs> no,
0: I mean I think we already know they're a sponsor of this show. We're an affiliate of theirs, like we are besties with Circle. Everyone knows that, uh, but we are here to talk about the fact that Mathilde has access to all the things that people are doing, and so a great insight, um, regardless of platform, on just strategy, things that are working, uh, and something we talked about as, you know, what should we talk about on this, which we have so many things. We'll see. We'll see how much we (laughs) do. We might have to do. I was joking. We might have to do four episodes, (laughs) but something, something you have worked on, seen, observed, and just, I think have a, a very amazing expertise on is designing community strategy. When a lot of people just don't know where to start or just see someone else do something and they're like, well, they do office hours, so I guess I should do office hours when it actually doesn't make sense. So talk to me a little bit about just designing a community strategy and like the fact that each community is gonna be unique and maybe it isn't. It isn't a strategy in the traditional sense.
2: I love that question. I love that question because when I started at Circle, the first thing I did was to try and come up with a strategy for our customer community, right? I mean, at the time, it was just a 1,000 people in it. Now it's 10,000 community members. It has changed a lot. But I remember just trying to fine-tune the perfect strategy to create, you know, like, how will our members come together? Where will they share information? Where will they contribute to the community? And then I was struggling a little bit because I was going in all directions i had a bit of analysis paralysis i think that's something that all of us are in the community space are struggling with or at some point in our community journey there's so many things you can do for your members long story short one thing i did in my first month at circle which in hindsight i think was the best thing to do when it comes to community strategy i organized community events weekly events to gather our community members and to help them share best practices and stories around how they build their community. It sounds very easy, but I think the most underrated way to start a community is by running an event. Because you can have the best strategy, you can have five pages of you know, notes around the programs you're gonna run when you have more resources or exactly how your members are gonna come together and engage. But if you don't have a way for your members to come together get to know each other, form connections, then you don't really have a community. So I would say the first step in any community strategy is to find a way to gather your members and have them talk to each other live. I love that.
0: I immediately think about, I've certainly scheduled events where it's like two people come and I'm like, wah, wah. (laughs) And I'm sure you've experienced that too. And, you know, I like to tell people, uh, so we yesterday, in fact, which, you know, by the time this airs, it'll be a month, but we launched our newest community, which is our learner community. And it's a new paid community for people who aren't ready for pro like pro is for a person at a specific level of business, but we wanted, we realized that there were a lot of people that weren't there, but still needed and wanted the type of community that we provided. So we created a lower price point community. You can go check it out on smartpassiveincome.com income.com slash community if if you
2: are so inclined. Sorry. I actually so you on that community. It's pretty, pretty great news.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's going good. But I was going to say, so we we have a community manager dedicated to that community, which is in our larger academy. That's a whole other thing just about organization. But point being we have a dedicated community manager, Ashley. And she is a like go getting High Achiever. like She's amazing. And she's she's creating these rituals and and events and stuff. And I keep telling her like, hey, just stick with it.
2: It takes a while. It took probably six to eight months for our show and tell series, which has been our our top community events in the community to really take off. I think in general, you want to You want to create an event but also you want to stick to it for long enough to really see the results and that's one of the other reasons why creating an event a recurring event is such a great way to validate your community idea as well Is because people vote with their feet when it comes to to online communities there's so much out there so many resources so many places you can be online right if you come to an event one hour a week that tells you something that tells you that there is something there you want to spend time together with other people if you spend one hour a week and you're paying for that event, even better, it's, it's almost like your community strategy, your community purpose is validated. People are ready to spend time together. It's almost like sometimes when it comes to community strategy or community validation, we are trying to operate in the same world as products. When we validate a product ID, we are doing user interviews and surveys but community building is slightly different, right? Because in with a product, you want to validate if somebody is going to use your product, use what you've built to solve the problem they have. But with a community, you're trying to validate if they're going to come together to solve that problem. That's why having a recurring event is such a great way to validate whether you are offering something of value. I think <laughs> that's my my thoughts on the topic.
0: (laughs) I love them. I love what you said about the differences between validating a product and a community. You should put that on like a, put it on your wall. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Rule to live by, (laughs) bring people together.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Will they come together to solve the problem? That's, that's huge. Yeah. And I think, you know, community, community strategy, all of this. It's not like so new, but it's kind of still new. I feel like we're still breaking ground with just the best ways to do things. And so, and a lot of communities have come out of tech startups. Like that's where a lot of the original or like the V1 of community seemed to come through. So I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. I mean, it's very product adjacent how a lot of things in community are looked at, even just like the metrics and whatnot. And community metrics are kind of a funny thing because there's no metric to really measure community health. There are metrics to help indicate, you know, and, and we've picked like engagement or like, original content, things like that, how much, you know, moderation percentages, things, there are a bunch of different cues to, to form a story, but it's not always like I've worked in many a community where, you know, people are, I, I've stopped calling them lurkers. People are observing, right? They're observers, their style. Yeah. People are, you know, their style is not to participate in the way we gauge success. Like they might be reading everything, Maybe even like DMing, that kind of thing. Maybe there's not a metric you can capture for what they're doing. They're perfectly happy.
2: I love that. I think you're right in saying that it's still early. We're still defining the language of community, the metrics of community. And I think it's okay and it's normal that we we are borrowing from the well of product or or social and, you know, audiences. But we are definitely at this interesting point now where we're starting to reshape really a different language, you know. Measuring connections like that's totally a, a valid way to measure community. Like, how many people have made connections? How did it feel about those connections? Sense of belonging index. Like, there's all kinds of great resources on the topic out there. But yeah, it, it will take still a little bit of time for everyone to align on one language. Or I guess it's almost like we're always looking for the one metric or the one one word that's gonna dis- describe what we do. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or not, but. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh. Yes. The, what do you do question in community? It's great. People, sometimes it's funny. Sometimes people, when they're like what they think I do, when they tell me it's hilarious, like, cause sometimes it's so much cooler than anything I've ever done. Like what, what they think I'm doing all day. And then other times it's just like, so I'm just like, do you know how the internet
2: works? Like, no, that's not what I do. It's I think so I had funny. to explain to my mom about 500 times. And my mom, she's not, you know, super old, like she should get it. But when I was a product manager, I had a good analogy. I was saying, it's like, I'm an architect for the internet. I help build things, design things. But now that I'm in community, it's a bit different. So I'm still looking for, for the right analogy.
0: <laughs> right. I was going to say it's like an architect for relationships, but then that sounds like a dating thing. You know, like people are going to take that to like, what? Like you're a matchmaker? <laughs> it's like,
2: yes, kind of. A little bit. Well, matchmaker is not a bad analogy, actually. Yeah, it, it has some bad connotation to it, but. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, I've yet, I've yet to figure out like what my elevator explanation is of one, what our company does. And then two, what I do. Like, it's just, I'm just like internet stuff. I invented the internet. That's what I do. <laughs> Just kidding. Thinking about these rituals and trying things and giving them a chance and and to your point with show and tell, which, and I've noticed, you know, observationally just with the, you know, events in circle in particular have shifted a little over time. I'm curious how you, when you do a tweak, let's say to an event, like the time of day, for example, and you have a, you have a global workforce or a global staff, as well as community. So it's, I think it's easier for you than some of us who are, do do not have a a global staff. I really wish we did so we could do more events in different time zones, but like, how are you deciding what time of day or what day of week is best for these like live get togethers to get like for a time that works for most? How did you troubleshoot that? Asking for a friend. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Well, time and time zone is a complex issue for sure. I think I didn't really have a specific, you know, recipe or equation, I tried to look at, well, I did actually, I tried to look at where most of our community members were in the world. And, you know, whilst we are serving a global community, there are people from all over the world using Circle. It's when I joined, it was mostly U.S. And I was trying to find, I guess, the, the time zone, the, the time that worked for most people. Like if, you know, I, I have the advantage of being a bit in the center, like, you know, GMT time zone. And so, um... What I did as well is experimenting. So trying out, you know, different. So we do our weekly office hours where you know I answer questions from the community twice a week. I try to experiment with that a little bit, but I think beyond picking, you'll you never have a time that will work for everyone. So that's the first thing to right, to, yeah. To know. Just accept it. <laughs> yeah, accept it. And also, I think I think you want the events to be roughly at the same time. So you want your members to come to expect that office hours at 1pm Eastern. Got it. It's, you know, it's every Tuesday at 1pm. So not trying to change too much to serve, you know, like your, your other community members, you might want to create a different event for them or a different ritual. I know you at SPI pro you all are doing specific events for people in Australia and, and Asia and It does require to have a team. You need resources, you need supports. I've I've recently hired, I'm super happy. We are now a team of two in the community team at Circle. you doubled. Yay. (laughs) But yeah, the whole of last year on my own, I did my best and also trying to listen to signals from the community. So every week I, I would have maybe five or 10 people asking me, what about Europe friendly office hours time? And I'm based in Europe. That was something easy that I could do. And so I was like, okay, I hear you. We will have now every two weeks, A European office hours time. So it's about seeing where your members are, but also knowing that you won't find a perfect time for everyone. And that's okay. You also have to prioritize, you know, your energy and making sure you show up at a time that's okay for you too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was just telling, so our community manager in pro David, who just moved and is on the East coast. Now we were just talking about this yesterday about our Oceania meetups. And so I'm kind of passing the torch and was talking to him about, you know, like, so, you know, it's going to be kind of late at night for you. So let's figure out, you know, I mean, maybe I keep doing them because I'm in mountain time zone. So it's earlier for me, but it's
2: tough. It's tough. It is tough. It is math. One thing I realized as well with events is that a lot of people were wor- watching the replays of our events. I didn't expect yeah, that at replays first. Replays were the
0: best. Yeah. With Show
2: & Tell, I was, so Show & Tell is our weekly, it used to be a weekly series, community tours, community builders coming to lift the curtain on their community setup, what they've learned, launching the community, and all that good stuff. And when I launched this event, it was really a way to learn what do people care about? Do they care about seeing setups of communities? Do they care about, because we were doing at the same time, workshops and masterclasses. And so I was trying to see, again, people vote with their feet when it comes to events. Do they go more to the workshops, learning from experts, or do they want to learn from peers and other community builders? And it turns out. The latter. <laughs> and looking at attendance was one thing, but I also looked at views on the videos. And it turned out that a lot of people were watching the replay. Some people were DMing me saying, I'm binge watching all the show and tiles. I'm building my community now. And I'm just like pausing, you know, like seeing how people are setting up their spaces, how they're driving engagement. So I think, again, when, when it comes to timing, also know that there is probably a sizable part of your community who will be asynchronous and that's fine. And tools like Sparkle and others allow you to to make that happen. For
0: sure, yeah. the, The replays are, I think, super valuable. Someone was telling me with the replays, what they do is they just listen to it at like one and a half speed. So they listen to it like a podcast just to get the info, like if it's more of a conversational one. And I was like, I never
2: thought about that. Good to know. With my with my pace, I think you would die if you tried to do one and a half. I think you <laughs> want to slow it down more. <laughs> oh, no,
0: I'm sure it would be. I'm sure. I'm sure it would work. <laughs> <laughs> so something something else we wanted to, to touch on, and this might be a good transition. It's like, we're trying all these things in our communities, seeing what sticks, all that. Let's talk about boundaries burnout how to stay sane as a community builder as you put it and just i like what you said matilda in true like ex product manager current community leader sent me sent me a list of some ideas uh, for the for the episode. It's a little behind the scenes info, but quoting Matilde, how to prioritize when everything is a priority and managing and taking care of yourself in order to take care of your members. And that is so appropriate. Did I write that?
2: I don't remember. It must have you been like that.
0: <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just like, yes, like I deal with that still every day like it's community never sleeps there's always something there's always what you think you're gonna do today this week this month this quarter and then there's all the stuff that comes up on top of that I really am starting to believe that even even like at my company everywhere no one has any idea the level of work that goes into just like keeping our head above water
2: (laughs) it's a great career everyone it's the work, but it's also the emotional work right when you are When you have a front row seat to your members, problems, challenges, you often feel like you have to solve them all. And that's what I think is the most, is the biggest risk to community builders, specifically when you're a team of one or you're a solo community builder. It's, as you said, your community never sleeps. So there's always one more message you can respond. There's always one more person you can support, one more event you can organize. But you have to, you have to have boundaries and boundaries, but also I think you have to have, you have to be able to update those boundaries because... To give you an example, when I started my role at Circle, my little circle bio used to say, I'm just a DM away. Because at the time, you know, a thousand customers, very manageable, I also wanted to have those one-on-one conversations. It was really helpful for me to speak to as many Circle community builders as possible to inform my programming and so on. 18 months later, (laughs) I had to remove, I'm just a DM away because it's not possible to, you know, do the work, do the programming manage a healthy community if you're constantly in your DMs supporting every member because that's what I was doing at some point I, I just could not leave my DMs you know unopen I wanted to connect somebody with a community builder they could learn from or share a resource with someone and so now my bio says you know if you want my support or guidance come to our office hours twice a week we can chat about your problems we can brainstorm solutions together people still send me DMs and I still respond from time to time but I've made it clear what my boundaries were.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good one. I never even thought about that to to just direct everyone to office hours. Did you get any pushback where people were like, I can't come or, you know?
2: Yeah, some people push back or I guess maybe I should rephrase. (laughs) I still respond to my DMs but right, yeah. I don't set the expectation that I'm here, that I can support everyone. And because, you know, with a community, with 10,000 community members, it's impossible. And I also try to carve out the time to respond to DMs as well. So, you know, if, if somebody or if a group of people are asking me questions that are product questions or questions where I know there's a tutorial out there that answers those questions, or I know that they would be better off contacting our support team, then I let them know, I like I have my little keyboard shortcuts with all kinds of different things to, to share. But then I also have the DMs that are more like hey like I feel like I don't know what I'm doing I need support. In that case I will carve out the time to respond but it's not it's not it's not expected. So boundaries are important carving out the time to respond to your members I think it's another
0: I do too. Even just the uh, not even DMs just in the community engaging, right? Like the balance of having a presence in there And being kind of an active member, but like with authority, I guess, but also giving people the space to talk to each other. It's hard. It can be hard. It can be, you can get pulled into a lot of things. And I think a lot of community builders, especially at first fall into this because they really want the community to succeed. And so they jump in, they're always online. They're always responding really fast. They're in every conversation and then they get totally burned out and they kind of just walk away, but they've set that expectation in the community. So it's noticeable.
2: Yeah, and also I feel like if you take a step back often, I mean, your community needs to be a certain size, but if you take a step back and if you refrain from answering to everything, then your members will step up or you will actually empower new people to to respond to the conversations. And that's something that I didn't do as much as I do now (laughs) last year, you know, just trying to jump on every conversation and-
0: Oh yeah, well, and same, I mean, I, I participate less in pro now for a few reasons. One, I'm not the community manager of pro anymore, but also just for that exact reason. Like I'm trying to give people the space to form relationships together without me constantly poking in. And then if there's something I can actually provide feedback on that isn't like, if someone's asking, how do I update a lead magnet, this, this, and that, if I would post on it, it would wouldn't help unless I'm tagging other people in that I think could help. And I'll do that for sure. I like modeling that behavior so that other community members will then do that to then ultimately give myself a little more freedom, right? If the community is taking care of
2: itself on many ways, then I can be more flexible with what I'm spending my time on. I love it. That's the ultimate test. If I spend a few days not moderating, not doing any responding in the community, what happens? And if you see your members are stepping up, they're responding to each other's messages, they're tagging others, you know you've set up something good or you've set up the conditions for them to engage, which is pretty awesome to see. And that happens more often than we think. Oh yeah. So anyone listening, test this out. So just be a bit more quiet than usual
0: and see what happens. Ghost for a day, yeah. It's funny, I I, sometimes I joke that like the the sign of success as a community manager is making yourself dispensable. Like you making your comp if it's your company or you know, whatever, think like, oh, we don't need a community manager. It runs itself. It's sort of a double-edged sword. (laughs) Yeah, there are times I've like taken a day off and you know, impromptu and didn't tell the community and you come back and it's like they didn't miss me. Yeah, I start responding to stuff and be like, Oh, sorry, I was out. And they're like, Oh, okay. You know, like, cool, yeah, you weren't here.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, I think up to a point, you know, up to a point the community can survive, but if you wanted to thrive, you have to be there, you know, starting the conversations, creating the programs, the events that will help folks come together and, and just really, yeah, just live and breathe the community.
0: Yeah, I think there's, I mean, the way I've found success, in case anybody finds this helpful, maybe, maybe not, is I focus on, so if there are regular events or posts you know, obviously doing that. So like both in Pro and Learner, we have every Monday, we'll, they each have a different kind of post that goes up from the community manager about the week ahead. And that's just part of the programming, right? So all the interaction there, like you know that the leader of that community is going to be very involved in those ritual posts. And then of course the events that, that we put on, we also let our members put on events, which was a fantastic idea because that's who they want to talk to. But yeah, so like focusing on those things And then with things like DMs, I chunk out some time every day, every other day to deal with those. And I definitely have set the expectation. I believe that's like, I'm not, I'm not going to get back to you immediately. And sometimes, you know, if, if I happen to notice I have a DM, because I, I have the set, the setting set up. So I get an email. Anytime someone DMs me, oh wow! So I can, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> so and, and anytime someone introduces themselves, so sometimes my inbox is insane, but I can see the message. I'll see it in my email, and if I, I'll be able to tell like, is this urgent? Like, is this an actual thing that I need to prioritize? And then maybe I adjust. But otherwise, it's like I will check. I check them like maybe once a day. It depends. And then if I have extra time, I go spend time in the community. I think. I think for a lot of people a good recommendation is like set aside an hour either every day or every other day, like whatever works for you. Time box. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll be like, just staying abreast of like conversations, even if you don't post on everything. Like I probably spend more time just like seeing what people are up to just being a weirdo and lurking, I guess, or I'm the ultimate observing. I'd like to think I'm actually lurking.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. I love those tips. And actually, you know, it, it, it does, It is something that I tend to do one hour a day, just time blocking, time boxing this hour, and then doing as much as you can during this hour, just keeping the pulse on the community, responding to certain higher priority messages or posts, connecting members with with, with one another. And then that hour is, is done. You can move on to something else, but you have done the ongoing work of maintaining, moderating, keeping the community alive. So I like that a lot as a strategy. And sometimes it all goes to hell. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know it like does. sometimes you start that hour and then you look up and the day's over the sun's down because something happened and you have to deal with it and it just you know is a whole thing like yeah sometimes it just goes to hell that's okay mindy on our team actually made a, a special quote meme for me it's like a quote of and sometimes it just all goes to hell because
2: it happens it happens <laughs> another strategy to manage yourself as a community builder I think it's just to find your own community, is to find your own support network. I know you're also part of Danielle Maville's support group for community builders. Which
0: you referred me to, and I'm so thankful.
2: Did I? Oh yes, I did. You did, yeah. Amazing, and so <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Danielle Maville is this amazing community builder, leader in this space, super inspiring person. And she put together this weekly events, this weekly gathering for community leaders that had a massive impact on just my mental health, I guess, in my first year or so at Circle, because I knew I had the space every week to share how I was feeling, to connect with others who were in the same boats, to, you know, like not pretend I had everything figured out. <laughs> it's in this group that, you know, when I was sharing at the time, I think it was sometime last year, I was sharing at some point in one of those sessions that I felt like I was not doing enough for my community. That you know I, I was seeing again all my members challenges you know we people struggling with specific parts of the product people struggling with their launch and i was like if so many people are struggling at this particular point in time i must be doing something wrong or i'm not doing enough and someone in that group and was reyna head of another great community builder leader she was the head of community at modern fertility at the time a great community that runs on circle oh my gosh
0: she's booked on the
2: podcast
0: amazing i'm
2: gonna listen to that it's so
0: funny everyone's talking about her lately to me like but you willa who was on the the podcast recently is the one that connected me to Raina. how funny all these connections danielle's also been on the podcast you have the best guest
2: tatiana was on the podcast tom ross <laughs> all my favorite community
0: i sometimes joke about thinking like i want to make like a a guest you know friend of the pod like community just for all of us to talk to
2: each other. <laughs> we should, right? for sure. Maybe.
0: Well, I know some people at Circle, so
2: we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we should do a retreat as well. Like, I keep promising to myself I should not go back to hosting conferences and retreats, but I'm kind of like itching to do it though. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Retreat. I'm in. Yeah. Anyway, so in this event, Rina, I was sharing my challenge. Again, I'm not doing enough. Those are all my members' challenges here. I should be doing tutorials. I should be doing XYZ. And Rina at the time was leading the largest community running on Circle. So she kind of was inside our customer community and she told me, Mathilde, wait a minute. I mean, I'm gonna paraphrase here, but she was like, you're doing enough, way more than enough. And I was like, well, if she's telling me this and she's a person running you know, the largest community on Circle, having all kinds of things on her plate, I should probably trust her and trust her judgment. You know, Long story short, I think just like hearing from other people in your community what they need, but also, oftentimes their needs are met, and you're just because you're such a perfectionist, or so you're looking ahead, or other things that you're not doing, or the the needs you're not serving. Yeah. So just like being part of a support group, having your own community as a community builder leader is super important.
0: Can I just say when you said that, like that, that's how you were feeling? I had the exact same response. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like you are so present and active in. The circle community, like you are definitely doing enough. And I think that that brings up a, a really good point, which to your point, that community community managers, community builders, we need our own communities. But also just the reminder that as community builders, our role and purpose is not to be our members life raft. Like we aren't there to save them we are there to provide a safe place for them to do what the purpose of the community is. And we're there to help them navigate all of that, but they have to save themselves. Like they have to figure it out. And, you know, a community builder may be in there and really struggling with stuff and we can, we can offer support but we can't like we can't fix it for them and it's really hard for me to like say that because I want to fix everything for everyone I just want to come in and fix it and like yeah and it's and it's not about like glory or anything it's just like I genuinely just want to be the person that like fixed their problem for them
2: yeah it's almost like in a plane like you're giving this image of you know <laughs> on the sea but in a plane you put your mask first before other people and yeah I think it's a it's it's a good image I think it's also a matter of knowing that your members can help one another if you're doing a good job at connecting them at creating a space where they can help one another you i mean in any case you should not be the one solving you know all their problems they can help themselves but yeah i mean that's
0: that's the power of community right yeah but a lot of, I think a lot of people and it, and that's where expectations, setting expectations, you know, at the jump and, and community guidelines, because, you know, it happens people, people join our communities and think we'll just like create a business of their dreams, but I can't increase your revenue with a magic wand. You know, you can certainly talk with other members and we can brainstorm together, but at the end of the day, it's
2: on you to, to make your business run. Right. It's a great reminder. It's something we forget. Cause we're natural helpers. Yeah, exactly. We forget that it's it's not our job to solve everyone's problem. <laughs>
0: no, even though like yeah, we all wish we could. Like if if someone met gave me the power to do it, I'd be like, just kidding. Ha ha, you know. But uh, I don't have that magic wand yet. I would love it. Okay. Well, we are kind of at the at the time. So is there anything else community specific you wanted to talk about that we didn't hit on?
2: I don't think so. I guess maybe one thing. I see so many community builders at circle who want to launch a community, but they wait weeks, sometimes months before launching. But there's not a single person I talk to who hasn't told me, Matilda, I wish I had launched faster. I wish I had gathered my members faster. And so a big focus of my team right now is to, is to help anyone who aspires to build a community, just get in the mindset to launch fast. Because again, unlike a product where you want, you want an, a minimal viable product, but you also want the product to be polished enough that it will you know, retain your, your early adopters, a community is gonna be built with your members. So that's something to keep in mind. Go for it, launch it, gather your folks, create rituals, create events, tweak things together, would be my, my top, top tip to leave people with.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love that. I think overly planning programming is often a waste of time. It's a good thought exercise if you want to just think about options, but ultimately that founding group that you, you know, if you can get and, you know, you don't need a hundred people to launch a community. You can launch with five, you can launch with 10. It depends, you know, what you're, what it's about and, and what, you know, your growth intentions and strategies are. Also, while we're on the topic, like you don't need to have a goal of a thousand members or 20,000 members. You can have a, a small community that, is tight knit and the intention isn't growth and it's just focusing on the people who are there and that's a successful community
2: a hundred percent there's so many communities in, in circle that i see in the in our customer community that are 50 members that are 60 members 20 that are very successful because they're they focus on serving those members helping them form you know deep connections so completely agree
0: all right. Well, we'll we'll put a pin in it for now. But I have a feeling maybe next year Matilda will be back. I'll have to figure out what to send her this
2: time. It won't take me another eighteen months. If you invite me back, I'll I'll come back this time. Oh, much, much we faster. we
0: have we have it on on tape. So we Aha. we do. Okay. So this is the part of. The show that I ask you some rapid fire questions that I will want to ask follow up questions to, but I won't. Okay. Because then it's not rapid fire. I still think this should just be like a bonus episode where I get to ask questions and we just talk for another hour, but until uh, I convince everyone that that's a good idea. First question, Matilde, when you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up?
2: I wanted to be a programmer wanted to work with computers really? for some reason. Yeah, I was 10. And you did it? I mean, kind of. I did a bit of coding here and there, but I'm not actively building the products.
0: <laughs> I wanted to be a cat, you know. <laughs> uh, didn't make it. How do you define community?
2: That's a great question. Community is a group of people who care about one another's success and well-being. And I think it's also a feeling. It's a feeling that you belong to a group. And so that group helps you with whatever goals you have. And so that's why you keep coming together.
0: Okay. Pretend you have a bucket list if you don't have one. (laughs) What is something on that bucket list that you have done? You've achieved, accomplished, done, witnessed?
2: I'm really into martial arts. And something I did have on my bucket list five or six years ago was to go to Thailand and do a professional Thai boxing fight. I actually did two in a week. I was a bit, a bit crazy. I was just like, I won my first fights. It was my first pro fight. So it was a big, big achievement. So I was a bit on a high after this. And my trainer, this really awesome Thai guy was asking me, so like, you want to fight again before you go to go back to your country? And I was like, yeah, why not? And so in the same week I had another, another one, and I had actually two black eyes, one from the first fight, one from the second one. I lost oh. the second one, sadly, but
0: uh. oh my gosh. Now everyone understands why I said you could beat me up and I would
2: be helpless. <laughs> <laughs> now I all make sense though. I'm trying a bit less now, but I used to be obsessed.
0: <laughs> oh, And you' don't, like you're so kind and nice, not to say that like people who do professional fighting aren't, but it's definitely like when I first learned that about you, I was like, no way. But yeah, don't mess with Matilda. Funnily enough,
2: tomorrow I'm taking a few of the circle team members who are coming. We are we're doing our offsite, our company events in Lisbon starting next week. And we're gonna do a, a Muay Thai training session. Oh my gosh. All together tomorrow. Five or six people, not that many, but
0: <laughs> it's gonna be fun. I would love to see I would love to see Andy doing
2: that. <laughs> He's not coming to that
0: uh, one. <laughs> dang it. Next time. Now we have to do a retreat and make him come to do Muay Thai.
2: For sure. I don't know if I would want to like train or fight Muay Thai with my boss, you know, Andy being my boss. Yeah, (laughs) probably probably not.
0: (laughs) You versus Andy, me versus Matt, the ultimate showdown.
2: (laughs) The UFC of community. (laughs) i would watch that but
0: i would yeah oh yeah anyways (laughs) i'd prefer to watch than be a part of it see this is why i can't do rapid fire i'm I'm too nosy okay (laughs) it's it's me i think us together is a bad combination but like the best bad combination like i love it sorry to the listeners though okay so the bucket list on the flip side of that so that's something you have done and congratulations that's amazing what is something on your bucket list that you haven't done yet but you hope to do
2: the first thing that comes to mind is doing ayahuasca. I don't know if you've heard of it, but I don't know if it's safe to stay on the podcast. But yeah, I mean, I mean, for the backstory, I've, I'm reading a lot about psychedelics and their use for mental health and just like, so yeah, that is actually something I love to do at some point, maybe in 10 years time, once I've figured out a lot of my, it's supposed to help you figure out some of your issues as well, but I want to be in a good mental space when I do it.
0: Oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. And probably somewhere with a bathroom close by. <laughs> probably, probably. <yeah. laughs> that is such an amazing answer. I love it. it is it. truth? <laughs> uh, yeah, amazing. What is a book, uh, and it can be fiction, nonfiction, it can be anything, but what is like either just the book that you love so much you wish everyone would read or just a book, you know, like a community book that you think uh, community builders should read?
2: Right now, actually, I'm reading a lot about, I used to read a lot about, you know, productivity and business and neuroscience and I, I try to escape by just reading about the trees and plants like I read this great book called I look behind me because it's here flower confidential how flowers are like the flower industry how it works oh boy it's depressing isn't it the hidden life of trees it is a little bit depressing but it helps you understand as well like how the flowers that you buy in the bouquet how they, they come to, yeah, to be there it's amazing I love the the hidden again not about community although they do talk about you know, how trees are all connected and the the wood wide web, it's called The Hidden Life of Trees is a a book I recently read that I loved. I'll have to get back to you on a community book because I read many, but so long ago. There's
0: only so many, but sometimes someone recommends one that's like adjacent that you wouldn't think and is a great rec, but that's okay. I think the recs you gave are awesome. And yeah, trees are amazing. They are. (laughs) We have have stumps in our yard that I originally was going to grind out. And then I was like, wait a minute, technically they're still part of the network. <laughs> so I love them. Okay. You've lived a lot of places and, I, and you are the type of person that will move where you want. So I can't wait to hear the answer
2: to this. If you could live anywhere else, where would it be? Probably somewhere in Brazil. I've been to Brazil one time right before the pandemic. I have quite a few Brazilian friends and I'm just in love with Brazil, the language, the culture, the food. So I don't know exactly where, but it would be somewhere in Brazil. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brazil is Gorgeous.
0: Okay. And final question, Mathilde, how do you want to be remembered?
2: That's a question I should have prepared for. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be remembered as someone who created more connection in the world, who helped people connect, be themselves. That would be the the short answer. (laughs) I love it.
0: I love it. It's perfect too. All right. Well, this has been so much fun. I would seriously love to. Let's do it again. We'll figure out. We should. maybe, Maybe we'll, yeah we can talk about the community of ayahuasca because
2: that's a legit thing. <laughs> and the UFC community. And we can also produce it. I mean, all, all kinds of side projects yeah, we, we've come got to more. mind after this podcast. We're going to be busy. It's
0: like retreats <laughs> that have a little bit of fighting, maybe a little bit of like terrible tea drinking. I don't know. Bathrooms. And we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll get back to everyone. For sure. Matilda, where can, if people want to learn more about you or follow you, where can they find you?
2: Yeah, I can be found on Twitter. I do spend sometime maybe too much time on there i'm matilde underscore leo on twitter and if you're a circle customer or circle curious community builder i spend a lot of time in our customer community so if you're joining you can find me on there weekly office hours and so on we talked a bit about that today
0: yeah <laughs> excellent well thank you so much have a wonderful rest of your day and I'll probably be talking to
2: you later. (laughs) Bye Jillian. Thank you so much. It was so much fun.
0: And that was our episode with Mathilde. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed having it. Yeah. I didn't expect to talk about ayahuasca, but that was hilarious. Oh my gosh. That That was a highlight experience for me as far as just not expecting that sort of answer. But I think there's a lot of people who agree it's become a thing. So anyways, let's talk about what we just talked about. It's fun to hear people's story into community. And there's always like the, the common threads are just like the little things. It was fun to kind of hear both sides, you know, from both Matilde and myself, how we how we got into it. I think I think a lot of us are natural community builders, natural helpers. So it makes sense that we that we get into this sort of thing and (laughs) imposter syndrome when we were talking about being in the community support groups and, you know, thinking she wasn't doing enough. And then someone else with an amazing community who, as I mentioned, is supposed to be on the show is scheduled. (laughs) I guess I shouldn't have said anything, Uh, but no, she's scheduled. She's going to be on the show. You know, sometimes it takes, it takes someone else saying, no, you're, you're doing everything. You're good. And yeah, going to say it again. We can't be our members' life raft, and we shouldn't be. We can throw it to them, but we are not it. If they grab on, awesome. You might have thrown it a couple times, but that's, that's our role, and, and that's okay. Some big takeaways besides obviously wanting to make life raft analogies work, the boundaries. And I love Matilda have like a real life example with the I'm just a DM away to how about office hours. (laughs) And I'm joking. It's it's not that like snarky on her profile. She did a really great job in transitioning that expectation. And I like the idea of, uh, you know, I hadn't thought of that, like put it on your profile. I love that. I also really liked her advice on giving things a few months and sticking with it while also talking to your community, maybe this programming that everybody said they wanted, but no one's showing up to maybe the issue is the time or just the, the platform you're using, like maybe everyone's sick of zoom. And so there's another way to do a live event. That's not zoom that makes it a little more fresh that gets people in the door. You know, there's, that's what I love about community. There's so many things you can try. And even, you know, I agree about not spending too much. Time planning out programming because what you think people want and what they actually want can be different or it can evolve. Uh, so involving your community in those decisions is always good. Just checking in, like, hey, how's this going? Is it too much? What's missing? All of the above. And I think I'll end on just the just what we were talking about. We kind of think we were both kind of figuring out that this was the thing as we were talking, or at least I, I, I guess I shouldn't speak for Matilde For me, I was like, it was a bit of an aha moment with just. Community has very naturally followed product operations, uh, ways to operate, how to measure success, how to scale all of that. But really, that might not be the best best way. It's just the way it kind of evolved. And it's okay to challenge those ideas of what measures true success. There's always going to be a balance because we need to be able to keep the doors open. There has to be some sort of revenue piece even for free communities unless you're just doing it as a volunteer very intentionally and that's that's definitely possible but i think most of us are trying to do it in a way that at least keeps you know pays for itself yeah just the we're not validating a product so what matilda said that i loved was you know when you're validating a product you're looking to see if people will use it to solve their problem but when you're validating a community you're looking to see if they'll come together and solve the problem and that distinction is like c'est bon. it's chef's kiss i love it so let's end on that and maybe give it a thought with your community and yeah reach out on twitter at jillian benbow you can also reach out to at team spi i'd love to talk about it further maybe check twitter to see all the like riveting jokes that have been happening I'm just trying to get people to talk to me on Twitter, honestly. Um, and if you don't want to do that, that's cool. You can also hit us up with a review. I'd love to get some more reviews on the show to help us grow. And on that, I will see you next Tuesday. You can find Mathilde on Twitter. Her handle is at Matilde underscore Leo. That is spelled M-A-T-H-I-L-D-E underscore L-E-O. And learn more about the work she's doing over at circle.so. If you join their member community, you can talk to her every day. Just don't DM her all the time. Your lead host for the community experience is me, Jillian Benbow. Our executive producer is Matt Gartland. Our senior producer is David Grabowski. And our editor is Paul Gregoris. Sound editing by Duncan Brown. Theme music by David Grabowski. See you next Tuesday.